Hello, this is Brandon from Motivational Speech Podcast. I have a great gift for you. I'm sharing some of the highly valuable life-changing free audiobooks. You can find the audiobooks link in the description. These audiobooks can change your life, so don't waste them. Accelerator number two. Now, here's another one. See, I'm a little bit of a contrarian, not from a melodramatic point of view, not to make a big scene, but simply because I don't take things that come or given to me at face value. I look at them and say, is that true? Does that really make sense? And something like time management, everybody goes, oh yeah, time management. No, it's not time management. So this is another one that's along the same lines. Think of all the success books you've read, the uh, videos you've watched, the seminars you've attended, the, the gurus, the coaches, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that you almost always hear them say is that it's really, really important that you have a clear vision of where you're going, yes? So, you know, they, they, over and over again you hear it. You've got you to set goals. You've got to, you know, be crystal clear about where you're going. There's um, sayings like, the reason people don't get what they want is they don't know what they want. That's right. Okay, here's another one. If you don't know where you're going, you won't know when you get there or any road will take you there is another one. So, and um, people who don't know what they want, sorry, get nowhere, yeah. People who don't know what they get, uh, want don't get what they want, but the biggest one I've heard, people who don't know what they want end up working for people who do know what they want, <laughs> right? So you hear all this stuff, but here's the challenge. I want you to be really honest with me on this. Raise your hand if I, I, the truth is that you're not 100% crystal clear of your vision. Because see your hands. It'll probably be about 80% of the room. So basically what all these people are saying is that you're doomed if you don't have a clear vision. And if you don't have a clear vision, what do you spend your time doing? Two things. Number one, you spend yourself beating yourself up, time beating yourself up for not having a clear vision. You know what I mean? Now, what do you think is more important to be successful? Have confidence or have a clear vision? Confidence! And, and beating yourself up, what's that do to your confidence? You believe you have to have a clear vision to be successful. You don't have a clear vision, so you can't be successful. How's that going to work out? Right? The other thing that happens when you don't have a clear vision is you spend your time trying to get clear about what's, you, what's up. You know, you're sitting down and writing and journaling and all that stuff. So i got great, great, great news for you. I'm here to tell you, you don't need to have a clear vision to be massively successful. Is that good news? And I'm not kidding about that. I'm absolutely not kidding. So here's the, um, they say you have to have a bright future. Even if you're in the fog, you can absolutely get to the top. So let me explain. I think even when you're standing in the fog, you have a sense of direction, an innate sense of direction. Just with your finger, would you please point what direction you're headed in your life? It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's this way, right? You know what? So if you're standing on a mountain, and they, they, you know, there's, a, there's at the bottom of a mountain, and it's going up like this, and it's like foggy all the way up, and the whole thing's in cloud, do you go that way? You know which way to go. Now, will it take you straight to the top in a you know, like a tram? No. But every time you just take a step, you say, what's, what's up from here? Oh, going to go here. Then from here, what's up? You go one step at a time. Does that make sense? And I'll tell you a story that will illustrate this. Um, 
back in 1975, when I was very young, I totally fell in love with the sport of hang gliding. And um, I got completely, oh, there we go, um, uh, got completely obsessed with it. I spent seven years hang gliding full time. I became the top ranked competition hang glider pilot in Canada. Um, I was captain of the Canadian hang gliding team. You didn't even know they had one, did you? And I've been to over 19,000 feet on a hang glider, which is high. Let me just, I had a jet fighter fly underneath me just to make it interesting. So that was, a, uh, that was good for the heart, heart rate. So, um, but anyway, I, I, I moved to Invermere, BC, which is um, in the East Kootenays. Anybody been to Invermere? Yeah, so, so I, I moved to, because that's where the, the, the best hang gliding was, and all of the best pilots lived there, so I, um, um, and I flew full time. So there's a picture of me coming in for landing at Grouse Mountain. Um, so in order for you to understand this little story I'm going to tell you, you have to understand how a hang glider flies, basically. So a hang glider is like a paper airplane. You can just, if you throw it, it just goes down, 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 down all the time, right? Unless what? Unless it goes over a wind, a, a, an updraft, like if it goes over the heat vent in the house, your little paper airplane, it pops up, right? Well, that's what a hang glider pilot's looking for is, where is, the, where is the air moving up? And you know, you see the hawks and eagles circling up, that's what we're looking for you know, on a hang glider as well. And we, you know, the skill is learning to do that. And then when you can do that, you can find lift. You find some lift, you can circle up in it, and then you can dive down. And then you can climb up again, and you can dive down. So the world record's about 150 miles. Somebody's flown in a hang glider, just fly, climbing up and flying down again, right? And so um, when I lived in Invermere, we used to, to fly up and down the valley. Um, oh, there's a picture of me um, um, flying, flying in Invermere. So um, um, when, the slide's out of order, sorry, that's why I'm a little lost here. So this is a, a picture of the valley, and we used to fly up and down the, uh, the mountains. So we'd go down, and, see, and you'd, th there'd be lift coming off the mountain, you'd climb up to the clouds, go diving down, climb up, go to the clouds, dive down, and we'd go up and down the valley. I was the first person ever to fly from uh, Invermere to, to Golden, which is about 75 miles, in 1978. Awesome, awesome flight. But you know, hang glider pilots are a bit like, um, like surfers. Now, when surfers aren't surfing, what do they talk about? Surfing. And in particular, they talk about one thing. The, the big wave, right? Hang gliders are the same. We talk about the big flight, the big thermal. And when we lived in Invermere, the big flight would be, instead of flying up and down the Rockies here, you'd want to you'd fly... Uh, so Invermere's down the valley here. We'd fly down the, up and down the lift. It was great, but it got a little boring after a while. And over here, there's another range of mountains called the Kootenai Range. Behind that, there's another range. And then behind that, there's a big range of mountains called the Rocky Mountains. And on the other side of that is Banff and Lake Louise. And the, so the big flight that we talked about, would, wouldn't it be cool to fly, instead of going up and down, going through the mountains and coming out the other side in Invermere, or in, uh, in Radium or, or in Radium, uh, Lake Louise or Bam. And so, you know, we talked about it in the bar. It was never going to happen. And I'll show you why. Is that's pretty much what it looks like. So that's taken from a higher height than we would ever be at. But there's, there's you know, you have to wind your way through the mountains. You have to climb up and go down. And guess what? There's no roads in there. So it's a little on the risky side, yes? So it was never, ever, ever going to happen until one day. Let's say hypothetically August 5th, 1983 for example. 
I was out flying with my friends who were the best pilots in the world, and I just got really, really, really high. Like, they were down at about 10,000 feet, picture of that, that valley, and I got up to like 14,000, and I could see all the way in. And I went, if that flight is ever going to happen, today's the day. And I got to tell you something, and this is an entrepreneurial moment. For those of you that started your business, you'll know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what came over me. I just turned my hang glider, and I flew straight into the mountains. And when I got in there, what I discovered is that the lift inside these areas, there was a, there was a road, but I, couldn't, I, I could, couldn't get near it in lots of places. So if I went down, nobody would know where I was. I mean, nobody would have ever thought to look for me. They, my friends had no idea where I'd gone. They would have thought I was gone up and down the valley like normal. Um, there was no road anywhere. I'd almost certainly break a leg when I, cried, when I went down. You know, there's nowhere to land. So we hit a tree or a log or something. And, and so I probably would have died if I, if I wouldn't be able to find enough lift. And what happened was I got in the back. I discovered the lift wasn't nearly as good as in the front. And I got really, really low. So like down around 300 feet off the ground, like as, as, lower, as low as the towers in, in town here. That's not very high when you're trying to go another 30 or 40 miles <laughs> across the mountains. And so I was really low, and I was looking around. There's nowhere I can land. There's just nothing but trees and big piles of rocks that I was going to pile into. But this is serious. And suddenly, I smelled something. I smelled pine trees. And what does that tell you? The air is rising. And this little wifty thermal came up, and I grabbed onto it. Now, here's my question. As I was circling in that thermal, do you think I was putting any thought into what I'd do when I got to Lake Louise and what I'd tell my friends? What was I putting my attention into? I was putting 100% of my bandwidth into maximizing that wispy little bit of lift that fortunately I went around. Like I circled and circled and circled for like five, ten minutes before I even climbed it all. And then it started to lift up and lift up and lift up. And I climbed up and climbed up and climbed up. And I got above the next mountain range. Like I could dive over the next mountain. Thought that's where the road would be. It wasn't there. I'd do the whole same thing all over again. It was a complete life and death situation. My every, every cell of my body was 100% focused on that lift. At the same time, I knew where I was going, right? I had a sense of direction I was going, in that case, east. That's what you need to be like in your business. You want to be so focused on the next step. And that's all. You know, I'm working with a, a, a coach. And, and of course, I'm a coach. I have a coach. And I, I, we just got approached by um, a fellow who's very senior in the financial industry in uh, Edmonton. And he said, Andrew, we think that the system that you've created would be excellent in the Philippines. Um, in the... In the um, financial system there and I've got like I got really big connections right up to the president and you know I can make some stuff happen let's talk so I started talking and and, and my, I got my coach involved and and I said to my coach well here's I did some research what I learned is that almost all the financial advisors in the Philippines are part-time so they, they they have jobs and then they have they do their their financial stuff on the side our program's not designed for that and what do you think he said don't worry about that. We're not there yet. Let's get a meeting. If they want to make it work, we'll find a way to make it work. So we spend so much time thinking about what 
dealing, thinking about what's next. And then what do we do? We take ourselves out of the moment and we never get to the next level. Right? Or else we think it can't be done. Take one step at a time. Does this make sense? And when you go one step at a time, you can do damn near anything if you put 100% of your effort to do it. Three and a half hours later, I landed in Lake Louise, first person ever to cross the Rocky Mountains on a hang glider. Is that cool or what? Yeah. And I survived to talk about it. And I phoned my friends who were the best hang glider pilots in the world and they said, where the hell did you go? That's as bad as my language gets, unlike Dan, by the way. Um, so um, I said, they said, where the hell did you go? And I went, I'm in Lake Louise. And they wouldn't believe me. They wouldn't come and get me. I had to hitchhike back with my hang glider, no kidding. Put it in the back of a pickup truck and stood there holding it like this over the back of the pickup truck all the way back to, to um, Invermere because they wouldn't come and get me. They didn't believe it was even possible. So for you, the same thing. You have to be focusing on 100% of your, atten your attention on what's there now while keeping in mind your sense of direction. And when you get to the next step, then you reevaluate and you can find your way to anywhere without a vision. Now, that's good news, yes? So you can put that into practice. <sighs> Isn't that a relief? I think so. So, please, give somebody a high five. Say, I focus on the next step. Hello, this is Brandon from Motivational Speech Podcast. I have a great gift for you. I'm sharing some of the highly valuable life-changing free audiobooks. You can find the audiobooks link in the description. These audiobooks can change your life, so don't waste them.